We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When it's too tough for them, it's just right for us. Where would you rather be than right here, right now? The Rock Pile Report with Buffalo Bills season ticket holder, Drew Gear. The Bills make me wanna Well, a couple teams in the teens are eyeing potential trades. One of those teams, of course, the Buffalo Bills and Brandon Bean, although from what I understand, it's not going to be one of those things where they just sell out and say, all right, we're going to go all the way to number two with the Giants. I mean, that's a place a lot of people are connecting them to. I would be, at this moment, surprised if that happened. Probably more likely is if a quarterback ends up sliding, maybe that is something the Bills would jump on for whoever their quarterback is, maybe someone like Josh Allen, if he slides. Everybody to another edition of the Rockpile Report Podcast. I am your host, Buffalo Bills season ticket holder, Drew Gear. To my right is my producer, Chris Krueger. And that was Ian Rappaport from the NFL Network. Bills, still in the market to trade up. I... <laughs> this draft will be a travesty if we don't do that. Folks, I've had it. I've had it with everything. Oh, folks, it is the week of the NFL draft. And I'm sure everybody has plans. Mine will be attending a destination wedding in Jamaica. Hooray, right? Sure, what's not to love about giving up an annual draft party tradition and flying thousands of miles to a destination wedding in a place without steady access to Wi-Fi and that's literally supposed to thunderstorm every single day that you're there? Who wouldn't love that? Yeah, uh, thunderstorms every day. You know you're not going to get... Uh solid Wi-Fi out of that with thunderstorms. <laughs> it's not even that. It's not even available in most places on the resort. Oh, my God. Seriously, though, folks, it'll be my fiance and I's first time flying together anywhere. You're taking the long weekend away. You know, we've, tr- so you're we've had day me, trips, weekend trips. So you're telling me that there's a chance June 9th might not happen. This is a test. I told my it's boss before I left test. work today, I am being tested by the Lord. By the Lord himself, I am being tested. <laughs> but this is the first time my fiance and I will be taking a trip like us together. And considering she's going to be there, the fact that I won't be at work, and that there's going to be open bars as far as the eye can see, in which I am not responsible for paying the tab, the weekend should 
the week should be pretty solid. Now, Chris, what are your plans for the draft this year? I will actually be watching zero amount of the draft. Are you Ubering? No, I'm not Ubering. No, my parents are coming in tomorrow night. My dad, my dad, my dad loves this blues guitarist, Papa Chubby, in which, by the way, yesterday I talked to my mother. She had no idea that that was a slang term for an erection. Dude, your parents, I, I, they sound like the, the nicest yeah, people. Yeah, Dr- Drew's never met my parents. Having spoken to them via Skype a few times, they seem like the nicest people on earth. Do they not realize what buzzkills they can be? I mean, this is the worst possible time for an impromptu visit to listen to the blues. Well, not only that, Papa Chubby on Thursday night for the first round uh, in downtown Buffalo. The next night for rounds two and three, we'll be at Helium for Colin Quinn. Don't do that. To Colin Quinn is one of the best comedians going Chris, today. Chris, you are literally picking comedy over football. Unacceptable. Now, guys, I, I have a funny story. Before we really get into the football stuff, i got to preface all this with this. Whenever I travel, I like to go to TripAdvisor and read, you know, because I'm going to a place I've never been. I like to read all of the negative reviews I can get my hands on and then compare them against the positives in order to try to prep myself for any potential potholes that might you know, pop up on the road to a, pre- a pleasant vacation. You know, sp- specifically, I wanted reviews. I mean, when you think about it, guys, think about it. If someone who went there and gave it the place a four-star review but made mention of the fact that the room wasn't as clean as it could have been, and then at the same time, you look at a one-star review where someone says, hey, my room was never cleaned properly. Maybe this person's a little, maybe person B is a little bit pickier than person A, but the same problem, now you've identified a consistent problem. People who liked the place still can acknowledge the fact that these people aren't doing their job when it comes to cleaning the room. I give credit to when it's a well-written review. Oh, yeah. Whether you like it or not. And so you can get, and you can kind of get where people are coming from when you read these reviews. Now... I specifically went into this looking for reviews that mentioned the sports bar at the resort, since that will be the only place in the entire complex that I'll be able to follow up with the NFL draft. There's no widely available Wi-Fi. At least you hope so. In the, I told in you, the rooms and in the lobby. Well, I told you before we started recording, I said, I hope you go to the bar and every, every TV is on... Uh, Miami Marlins game. <laughs> they flat out told me they can't they can't promise Wi-Fi in the sports bar. So my Periscope session that night is in jeopardy. I will let everyone know where we stand on that. Having said that, I stumbled across this gem of a review from a French user that I had to bring to the show. TripAdvisor user SickNote2K. Negatives. For the resort. He said a lot of he said some nice things about the resort, but gave it a one-star review. And the negatives read, The Americans. I apologize for the generalization, but 99% of them that I met on this vacation were rude, obnoxious, and lacked any ability to consider others around them. The hotel was full of middle-class college kids on spring break acting like animals, and their equally ignorant parents. They throw money, quote-unquote, tips, at the staff, and they, their parents, ignore it. Preferential treatment isn't fair. They should show a little bit of class. Fool this man! And then as it pertained to the sports bar. If you decide to try the loud bar, which is the resort's 24-hour sports bar, again, 
don't bother because it's nothing but a room full of Americans watching American sports and chest bumping constantly. Typical American. This is why we don't allow you on our beer fest. Yeah. You get a few drinks and your unju becomes a dirty head. Yeah. You should go back to your street malls and drink your zimas and smear off ice. Yeah. And then you can punch each other's ceiling. Chris, what is your reaction to this nonsense? I want to know, having heard this, what, 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 what's your knee-jerk reaction? Well, let's see. I'll, we'll go to the the adjectives. Obnoxious, uh, lack of considering others around them. I mean, this guy is clearly uh, talking about you to a T. You are inconsiderate. You are obnoxious. You do chest bump people because you have movies. Guys, me personally, when I'm on vacation, I'm never looking to take away from anybody else's good time because they paid the same money I did to be there. Unless you're a friend of mine like Chris, Dan, or Potter, in which case, you're all stuck with me for life whether you like it or not, and I don't feel bad for you. I wouldn't want my good time to make everybody else in the entire facility uncomfortable. I mean, at least in this type of a setting. However, I want to read to you my immediate knee-jerk reaction to this, which I emailed to my fiancé along with a copy of the review. It goes like this. Dear Larissa, Just reading this makes me think of how fun it would be to show up and be a complete heel, like an over-the-top WWF bad guy. Just picture it. I'd wear a cowboy hat and sunglasses everywhere, even indoors at night, and be the loudest, drunkest person everywhere on the resort. I'd walk around referring to everyone as chief, while repeatedly shooting everyone the double gun, and make a point of pounding my chest and tearing my shirt like Hulk Hogan whenever anything even remotely exciting goes on, and demanding that everybody high-five me. Maybe even starting impromptu chants of USA, USA, that would show this guy. Sure, I've been called a xenophobe, but the truth is I'm not. Honestly, just feel that America's the best country and all the other countries aren't as good. That used to be called patriotism. I, <laughs> I am not a xenophobe. I am not afraid of the way other people from foreign countries see me. I'm not afraid of other cultures or the way they might perceive the way that... Decide to do you things. have to walk around this resort like your <laughs> fucking JBL cowboy hat. I don't know if you can rent a limousine while you're down there. Ultimately, to hell with that guy. If you travel abroad during spring break, you're setting yourself up for failure. Second of all, you elitist sounding bastard, up yours. For as much as I don't believe in harming others in the name of having a good time, this guy sounds like someone that I'd get drunk and cannonball on in the middle of the pool just to ruin his linen suit, okay? I've had enough. Just, oh, this, this whole thing is... I, <laughs> guys, my trip to Jamaica is going to be something. I'll <laughs> I'll be sure to keep you guys updated as to how it's going. Oh, my God. And I guess that brings us to this week's Bill's News Update. Schedule conversation. I teased it last week. Really don't give a damn about it, but Chris wants to have the argument, so here we go. Chris, I hate the 2018 Buffalo Bills schedule. Well, we're not having an argument. You put it on Twitter that you were going to talk about it tonight. Okay. I had the luxury, because I'm higher class than you, I was uh, 
I was at O'Neill's in Orchard Park with Colton and Reed, and we were looking at the schedule. Who and, are Colton and Reed? Uh, they are our specialists. A punter <laughs> and a long snapper for the Bills. Okay. Now, at least from Colton's perspective, he said he loved the schedule, and that's that's based on everything being at one. His schedule's going to repeat every week. You know, instead of having ones and Sunday night games and 4 o'clock games, Outside of that Monday night game, he's got a repetitive schedule for a one o'clock game. I I just for me, I just like having one o'clock games. I'm gonna love that Monday night game here in Buffalo. We haven't had, I mean, that brings back memories. That Dallas brings back memories. Dallas the field Cle- goal. Dallas the, and Cleveland. The onside kick and the field, and they all end in field goals. They all end in field goals and drunken debauchery and misery. Yeah, but I, I like the 1 o'clock games. You know, we get out of there at 4, and then I don't have to uh, be with you the entire day <laughs> is really what it comes down to. And, you know, for what it's worth, you know, I'm one of those fans that generally think playing in the cold slightly means something to Buffalo. So I enjoy having a heavier home schedule at the end of the season. Now, see, I take this and I look at it again. See, you took into consideration in your evaluation of the schedule a lot of self-interest. You know what I mean? Things that you're a fan of, things that you like. Yeah, so I love the obvi- winter. So obviously in my take, I have the same. I have you know, my own kind of outlook on this. And mine is one of self-preservation. I look at the Buffalo Bills schedule and I say to myself, you mean to tell me that I'm going to have one, two games, if you're counting the game against the Patriots in October, I'm going to have two games throughout the first leg of the season where I know I can show up and tailgate and it's not going to be below 32 degrees? Are you crazy? I Are love you the cold out weather. of your mind? Love the cold weather. Oh, yeah, because you typically, on a weekly basis, up until this season, don't get up at the ass crack of dawn and aren't out in the field setting up tents and tables and grills and getting food going and all this stuff. You're not freezing your ass off out there doing that. Nope. I am. But I also know that coming into this, I'm going to be a season ticket holder first time this year. You know, Don't you think I've already prepared? I fucking tore up the clearance rack at Kohl's with some winter shit this year. <laughs> Hats, gloves, you name it. I got it. And then you I'm look prepared. at the, and then you look at the teams that were the slate of teams were expected to play away. You very likely could I get I know trying to pick the schedule, Chris, on a side note, complete sidebar. Trying to pick the schedule is one of the, ahead of the draft and the second leg of free agency and training camp is one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. So but having said that, based on previous history. We very likely, if we don't come out of this out of the gate well, you're talking about going to Lambeau. You're talking about not when it's cold. You're talking about going to Lambeau. You're talking about going to Minnesota. You're ta- uh, dome. Okay, you're talking about going to Houston. Dome. Three teams who, if their quarterbacks are healthy, and if that team in and of itself can do what it is they're they just generally tend to do, we're gonna get fucking mauled. So you, we have. A very good chance of rolling into the bye week with a losing record. That's just you being salty. And, you know, speaking of what you just said uh, a minute or two ago about people predicting the schedules. Yeah. Because when I was at O'Neill's in Orchard Park, they were showing people were the schedules immediately out and people are already picking. And 
I haven't heard it yet this off season. I'm hoping it's going to come sometime within the next month. But for the the avid listeners to our show that have been around since the beginning, I have yet to hear Michael Robinson say that the Bills will win the division because he's done that the last two years in a row. <laughs> so I have not heard that. that. I've not heard that yet. I, I'm I'm I I want that to happen again. He's Third waiting. year in a row where he. He chooses the Bills to win the division. Chris is quietly making a montage of all of Chris Robinson's stupid picks. Michael Robinson. Michael Robinson. Oh, whatever. He's some dude on a network I don't watch. NFL Network. (laughs) He's on NFL NFL Network. Network. He sucks on NFL Network, and he sucked as a player. But he does have an open invite if we tweet at him enough (laughs) to come on the show. (laughs) Come on the show and defend his terrible opinion. And that, folks, brings me to the last part of I'm not even going to call this news because I can't fuck everything. Okay, that's what I'm going to entitle this. Per some report, I don't know whether it came from the Bills website. I don't care. I'm, <laughs> I don't care where it came from. Russ Brandon will be attending the draft with the team. And according to Pro Football Talk, the Bills may not be trading up to number two after all. Who gives a shit? Hey, Brandon! How dumb do you think I am? These aren't stories. And neither is anything going on around the team at this point. It's all just mindless, meaningless conjecture. Just listen to it. Don't listen to it. Trip and fall into a grease fire for all I care. Because none of it matters. None of it. <laughs> this totally matters. We're looking at our future here. I'm thir- no, no, it doesn't. I'm 33 years old. We've never drafted a good quarterback in my lifetime. I was born in 84. We took we took Kelly in 83. He's the last good quarterback we've drafted. We got to try. That's why I'm all on trade up and get a quarterback. I want the franchise guy. Now you switch to beer. None of this matters. I've had an, there isn't a single storyline that has happened for the last week that matters. And everyone out there who thinks that it does, you need to just, uh, oh, just, just, I don't know. Into a grease fire. Hey, look, look, on the bright side, you're going to Jamaica tomorrow. So you're not going to hear like the final rumors come out. You'll be on a plane. You'll be in another country. You won't have to worry about this. See or hear about it. Unless you get on that shaky Wi-Fi at the uh, resort. <laughs> All right, so I, I've gone, I've, I've obtained a, a beer, and I'm back, and I'm calm. Yeah, goose frob. <laughs> goose Do it with me. Goose froba. The 2018 NFL draft, folks, we're finally here. After what feels like an eternity. If you're listening to us right now, it means that you've made it. You've survived the miserable ramp up to the 2018 draft alongside us. Either that, or it means you're like the kid from The Sixth Sense, and I didn't actually make it at all. In which case, as a ghost, I really need to get on things over here. You know, opening up people's canned canned goods and jars of pickles, and haunting them while they're on the toilet. At their most vulnerable. (laughs) I mean, sidebar, who hasn't been on a public toilet somewhere and someone tests the door handle and a bolt of, just a fear. It's just a primal fear of, I'm pooping. I'm vulnerable. Someone's trying to break in here. <laughs> oh, that's what I should be doing as a ghost. Generally speaking, I enjoy the NFL draft. I mean, guys, it's it's like a better version of Christmas. 
because no matter how terrible you are during the year, you still get shiny new things to get excited about. And you don't have to be around your family. Exactly. You can just be drunk in a basement somewhere. That's what I do every year. And it's worse this year because <laughs> of the quarterback position. But this year, the run-up to the draft, I, I Chris, I'm not going to lie, it has really taken a toll on It's because of the quarterback. This quarterback crop was supposed to be a massive bright spot, but instead turned into the source of more arguing by everyone, from talking heads to casual fans. All of the draft capital the Bills have, which I was so excited about after last year's draft and the trades that we made, feels insignificant considering that the blockbuster trade that a lot of people were calling for hasn't happened yet and may never actually occur. Thursday. And everywhere I turned, it was just talking heads making mock drafts just so other people could talk about those mock drafts and compare their own equally worthless mock drafts to them. It, I don't know who's skull to drive my... I want to take my thumbs and drive them through somebody's eye sockets. I just don't know whose. Theirs are my own. <laughs> all in all, what should have been an enjoyable experience in the run-up to a draft that very likely could reshape the franchise and was supposed to be fun. I'm exhausted by all of it. That's it. At the end of this, I'm I'm like a beaten down... I imagine this is how someone who's been like... Like someone who's been locked away in solitary confinement to correct their behavioral issues, you go in there a tough guy, but after enough time, you're finally just like, all right, all right, fine, whatever. Just let me see light. Just just let me go somewhere. Oh, my God. It's like a chick. It's like when you chase a female who's a 10, a dime. She's out of your league attractive. And only after she's agreed to go to dinner with you do you realize that the reason she's single is because she chews with her mouth open, can't stop taking selfies with her food, snaps her fingers at the waiter, or she uses the term bae. B-A-E. Bae. I've had it, and I'm shocked that I've made it this far without completely coming unglued. Chris, I... It's all about the quarter. <laughs> That's what it comes down to. Bean's going to tie himself to a quarterback this year, and if we if we miss three, four years from now, we'll have a new GM, and we'll be going after that former Georgia quarterback or Georgia's current quarterback. Who are they? From and Eason. We'll be going after them because we missed. I don't care. I mean, Chris, it, literally at this point, I feel like I should I could tie myself to a rocket and just fly into the sun and not give it. It doesn't matter. None of it matters. Right now, you look like you look so defeated. Like you and Larissa went to dinner, and she picked the first three places, and they were closed, like cobblestone for soda. <laughs> and you're just like, just take me anywhere. Just go anywhere. Just I go. don't care. I don't care. Just end this. Oh, I'll eat a bullet at this point. <laughs> All right. Let me compose myself here for a second. With that, we take an overview of where we sit and what we know heading into Thursday's draft. Team needs. Brandon Bean recently said in a recent press conference that he doesn't see this as a roster with many glaring holes. From my vantage point, and no, I'm not here saying we have to or absolutely will draft any of these positions, here are what I perceive to be 
the spots on the roster that have to be addressed when we enter the draft this year. I shouldn't even say have to, but that are spots to land a player. First and foremost, quarterback. And if I have to explain that to any of you, you should turn off the show right now and hopefully you get hit by something. A car, a bus, a paper boy delivering papers on a, on a 10 speed. You're, you're just uh, out of the loop. Middle linebacker. Now the Bills either missed out on or just, I guess, weren't aggressive enough in the pursuit of any of the middle linebacker candidates that were out there in free agency. At this point, the only on-roster candidates to take over the middle linebacker position for the 2018 Buffalo Bills are all second-year players who haven't distinguished themselves at all. I mean, you've got Tanner Vallejo, Dion Lacey. Dion Lacey. I don't know who that is. <laughs> I, exactly. Never heard of the guy. I'm not shocked that none of you have heard. If, if, if those of you listening looked around and went, who? What, what the hell is that? Don't worry. You're not the only ones. This position is in desperate need of a starting caliber player. Well, how? Let me ask you this: How good were? Uh, how good was Milano? He, but he's outside, right? Milano's outside. He's an outside linebacker. So we sort of hit on him late. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's only played one season. Yeah. But you got to think the scouts that scout linebackers maybe they think they have somebody that you can get middle round. Well, that can come in and play. So, That's why they haven't addressed it. So, defensive tackle. We landed a defensive tackle in free agency who, under Sean McDermott, was a standout at the position. I mean, Carolina fans kept talking in the weeks leading up to free agency. They pretty much saw the writing on the wall that uh, Star Lodolele wasn't going to come back. Lodolele? Yeah, Star Lodolele. Yeah, that's what I said. Um, he wasn't going to come back. So... But they did a lot. They, they did a lot to bash him and talk about how terrible he was and how he wasn't a good defensive tackle anymore. Well, that's because the defensive coordinator who was there when he was drafted and who left. he flourished under left. I'm not shocked by that regression. So the fact that he's here, I expect him to come back. And we brought back Kyle Williams as a steady veteran hand next to him. Beyond those, we have nothing but a mishmash of uh, Chris unproven talent. Adolphus Washington is the most talented of the bunch. I'd expect Kyle Williams to hold his hand the whole season. It's it's possible that Washington has a breakout season, but at this point, I'd feel a lot better if the team made a move to get a young playmaker in there. Exactly, because it would, we're at the end of April, and based on the last couple days here, spring has arrived. Not soon after that, we'll have summer, so... Look forward to round two, Adolphus Washington with a gun at a water park. <laughs> wide receiver. Our wide receiver depth chart, when you look at it from top to bottom, isn't exactly a position of strength. A lot like the defensive tackle position, we've got bodies, just not enough that have done anything to stand out over the years. If you include Benjamin, the position group itself has an average years played in the NFL of just four seasons and an average of just six touchdowns scored. That's not good by any standard. And that's including your number one wide receiver. Oh, yeah. I can't wait till the end of the show, Seagrams. I mean, much of the wide receiver play around the NFL is dictated by the quarterback. I mean, everyone, who's Jeff Janis, Chris? Oh, yeah, the guy who caught 143 yards in a playoff game from Aaron Rodgers, who got called up that day from their practice squad. Or Austin Collie. 
Yeah. Peyton Manning. Who are these? Their wide receivers can be made by a quarterback. I want to. But beat, talent is also a requirement. I want to beat anybody's ass that says wide receivers make the quarterback because that's never happened ever. Megatron. Oh, it has happened. You gonna no. beat my ass? I, I easily, Come at me, bro. I, I easily can. Okay. Mega, no, Megan, <laughs> Megatron had Matt Stafford his whole career, right? No, he played with like two other shit quarterbacks before that. All right, go look up his stats. That will do. What I see is this group needs a boost. Zay Jones is better suited to playing in the slot, but Holmes isn't a dynamic enough receiver for my taste on the outside. And Streeter is just coming back off a season-ending injury. So I don't know that he can... I mean, he flashed in training camp, but can he bring it every single week to be a reliable outside threat? I just don't know that. So given that, that that's another position that needs a player. Running back two. The Bills picked up veteran options to back up their workhorse in LaShawn McCoy. And, and there is the interesting project running back, Marcus Murphy. Everyone will remember he had that 45-yard play against Miami the day we clinched a playoff first. But no matter how you shake it, McCoy is long in the tooth. And he's going to cost $9 million against our cap next year, while a release or a trade next offseason will leave us holding almost no dead money. And even though Cadet and Ivory strike me as serviceable backups, I mean, I didn't hate the fact that they're both coming back. This is a class that is so deep at that position with potential starters that it's never a bad thing to have an eye towards the future at a position where guys rapidly come in and out of the NFL. Yeah, Ivory, we just signed this offseason, but he's only here for, what, two years? Yeah. Oh, perfect example. You look at Tom Brady. Tom Brady's been in the NFL for how long? How many different running backs, Chris, can you name right now that have played for the Patriots behind Tom Brady? Uh, Mike Gillisley, Jonas Gray, James White, LeGarrett Blunt. I, my brain don't work no more. Okay, so uh, going back to uh, the Buffalo Bills, you know, there, there was a minute there where... C.J. Spiller, Lynch. Uh, well, no, 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 but I'm, I'm just talking about running backs. So Tom Brady, Tom Brady, we'll call it. He had Jonas Gray. He had, uh, had that collection of running backs. When you look back over it, you don't remember any of their names, right? No. Because they were never there for very long. But those teams won. I mean, because the quarterback matters. Former Bill Antoine Smith oh, went yeah. there and tore it up. I remember that guy. Running backs are fluid. You know, the, the, the day of the. I understand that workhorse backs are in vogue. But at the same time, you look at teams that have had good quarterbacks. Look at the quarterbacks, the running backs, who have played for the Green Bay Packers. The year I think they you had won a tight the, end. The playing. year they won the Super Bowl, they had a UB player. I forgot that guy. James Starks. Okay. Playing running back. And he was their backup's backup. But it didn't matter. They won a Super Bowl because he was serviceable enough to get by. Running back is such a fluid thing to marry your team to a running back to the tune of almost $10 million. Seems crazy. And we'll just look at the, the Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles. So it would, They had like three running backs. Yeah, so it makes sense that taking running backs every year, especially when the class is deep, is a place that you always want to have an eye for. The interior offensive line. Now, this team spent free agent capital to bring in right tackle competition, and they trust Deion Dawkins. 
enough so that they traded away Cordy Glenn to move up the draft board. So given that, while there isn't a high-level player on the right side, I think the tackle position is kind of similar to where we were last year. We've got a long, we've got a tenured vet who might actually make Mills expendable, or at least a backup option, which wouldn't be the worst place for Mills because he's clearly not a starter. I mean, we've all watched him get beat like a drum when it matters. Now, on the other hand, we have absolutely taken a step back in terms of interior talent on the offensive line. You figure you've got the retirements of Wood and Incognito. And the fact that Vlad Dukas has a ceiling, and last year, he, I feel like down the stretch, he outperformed it. And John Miller disappeared after the switch away from a power running scheme. So regardless of what scheme we employ, I would say that Bills fans everywhere shouldn't be thrilled at the prospect of going into the season with what we have on hand up front. Our rushing attack is the only thing about our offense that we can say year over year for the last three or four years has worked. Right, Chris? Yeah. Okay. So given that, wouldn't we want to make sure that our offensive line is good? I mean, people look at the signing of Russell Bodine or Bodine or whatever the hell you want to call it. He, he, he attributed to more negative plays for the rushing attack of the Bengals. You talk to any Bengals fan and they'll tell you. He was the reason that Joe Mixon was held to such a low yards per carry average last season. Because every time they tried to run between the tackles, Bodine let people into the backfield who stopped the play for negative yards. Or couldn't push forward to create a crease. Nobody that follows the Bengals even liked uh, Bodine. And then you got Incognito retiring, like you said, as long as well as Eric Wood. We're going to have to use a little bit of draft capital on the uh, interior line. I, mean, I feel like you have to, because if you don't, we are very quickly heading back to the days of Derek Dockery, Langston Walker, and Melvin Fowler. Do you remember those? Those were dark days. Yeah, and you're gonna have to you're gonna have to get one, I guess, mid rounds. If you're if it comes to and we're gonna trade up and get a quarterback, you gotta be able to protect your quarterback. You have to. You have to create a pocket. You know, and, and that's why when people talk about, oh, well, this quarterback, that quarterback, blah, 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 none of that talk matters if you don't have the support system to give that quarterback what he needs. You know, we talked about it here on the show last week, over the last two weeks, actually. Talked about Josh Rosen. Okay? He's my favorite pick in the draft. If we were going to take a quarterback, he's the guy I'd be most comfortable with. Well, I'll tell you what, you know what he doesn't do well? is get flushed out of the pocket. He throws very poorly on the move. You mean to tell me we're going to start subpar guards in a bad center in front of a rookie quarterback who struggles to move from the pocket? Like, he's good in the pocket, but he has to have one. Most rookie quarterbacks are going to need a pocket, so you can't you can't go into the season like this. Bo- you can't. Bodine's the center, right? Bodine is the center. Okay, so that's going to be something to look for in August. Bodine versus Groy, who's our center. Something to watch for at training camp. I think I think neither of them are starters for this division. I think the team is either waiting for cuts, they're waiting for somebody to fall to them on the draft board that they like. I don't know. Who we've met with is an important thing, though, Chris. I mean, Doug Whaley, when you get down to it, had an interesting tell in his draft strategy. In that he never drafted a player that he didn't make one of the allotted 30 pre-draft visits with. 
Now, that may not seem like an overwhelmingly unique idea. I mean, if you're drafting a guy and you're putting your reputation and your career as a GM on the line, you're going to want to see these guys face-to-face, right? As many times as possible. But not all GMs do it that way. And Doug Whaley, I guess in a sense, kind of tipped his hands because there is a lot of GMs around the league who don't require that as a criteria for selection, thus allowing them to play their cards a little bit closer to the vest. Now, GMs can use these visits for a lot of different purposes. Maybe they're trying to get more info on a player with questionable value. Sounds like Mayfield. Maybe it's just a smokescreen. Or even just to determine whether a player deserves to be on their draft board at all, regardless of film. Given that, it'll be interesting to see how our actual selection list stacks up against players we've already met with. Now, I've got 25 of them listed that I've been able to source from around the internet that I've been able to find confirmation that the Bills have met with. First of all, Mayfield, Allen, Rosen, and Rudolph. All first-round projections, we met with all of them. And Darnold, we attended his workout. But that was just a public work. That was just a workout. So it doesn't count against the 30 meetings, I guess. At the running back position... Rashad Penny out of San Diego State, second round, has a second round valuation according to all of these evaluations according to NFL.com. Kalen Ballage from Arizona State, middle of the third, early fourth round value. Offensive line, we only met with one prospect, Frank Ragnow out of Arkansas, middle second to early third round prospect, although he's been talked about moving up into the first round. Tight end Ian Thomas out of Indiana, middle second to early to middle third round. Wide receiver, DJ Chark out of LSU, second round value. DJ Moore out of Maryland, late first, middle second round value. Anthony Miller out of Memphis, second to third round value. It's fluid. At defensive end, we met with four candidates. Yukena Nuosu, I'm sure I'm butchering these names, out of USC. Third to fourth round value. Dorrance Armstrong out of Kansas, fourth to fifth round value. Harold Landry, Boston College, first round. RJ McIntosh out of Miami, fourth to fifth round. Kind of fitting the other DNs. Chris, you notice that? Cornerback, Denzel Ward, Ohio State, first round. Dante Jackson, LSU, second round. Josh Jackson, Iowa, first round. Jair or Jair Alexander out of Louisville, first round. Duke Dawson, Florida, third to fourth round. Linebackers, Fred Warner, BYU, third to fourth round. Leighton Van Der Esch, Boise State, first round. Roquan Smith out of Georgia, first round. Rashawn Evans, Alabama, roll tight, first round. Corey Thompson, LSU, seventh round or a priority undrafted free agent. Now, I know I just spit a lot of names at you, but a few things jump out at me as as interesting storylines that I kind of want to further pick through post-draft. Now, after the draft, I'm going to look back at what those visits meant. Because to, to Doug Whaley's point, we figured out after the first two drafts that Doug Whaley only drafts guys he meets with. Right? Yep. So right now I'm going to take this, and I've got questions that post-draft I'm going to look back at, and I guess that I have now, looking at their meetings, 
because it kind of gives me an idea of what it is they're thinking. Because ultimately, that's what every fan wants. Every fan wants to know, what the hell is my GM going to do come draft day? And being in this way, in the way he's just... Yeah, him, we don't know what he's going to do yet. This is his first one. The way he smokes screens like a motherfucker. Nobody knows what he's going to do. So this is what... These are my personal observances and things that, I don't know, I just want to try to identify some of his tells that they're going to have in the pre-draft process. First of all, the team met with linebacker prospects, Chris. As uh, they should. Okay. So maybe they do have a firm understanding of the need at the position. Now, what's interesting to me is that of the five that they met with, three of them are all expected to go in the first round which isn't likely going to be an option if the team really is expecting to make that massive trade up the draft board that everyone's expecting. Considering our lack of a starter there, that seems strange to me, especially when you consider that according to WalterFootball.com's off-season tra- like visit tracker, he goes beyond just the private workouts of the 30 allotted NFL visits. He tracks what scouts he's heard and that he has evidence of have met with what player. The Bills haven't publicly met with any of the mid-tier prospects at bowl games or pro days. They haven't looked at any of the other linebackers in this draft publicly. That might be like a... So is that a smokescreen? I don't... What if you don't like the offers or can't work out a deal to get up into the top 10 to get a quarterback? So then you need a backup plan. You're hedging your bets. You need a backup plan, and if you're going to stay put at 12 and 22, then one of those picks has got to be a linebacker. That's why they met with three potential first-round picks. I mean, I, I just look at it in terms of when you have a defensive head coach who has coached players like Shaq Thompson, Luke Keekley, Thomas Davis, even, the, even Preston Brown. I mean, he's he's... Not overwhelming in talent, but he's durable and he's solid. It's almost a given that they understand that the position is and (laughs) how important it is to a defense in the NFL. And at that point, I have to assume that they have a plan for this. I have to. I mean, the fact that you're using your visits to visit with guys who, if you're making the trade that every pundit everywhere on paper says you should make, then why bother having those visits, Chris? Or like, like I said, maybe you're hedging your bets. Yeah, you gotta be, you gotta be prepared. If you can't get up for your for a quarterback, you gotta have something to fall back on. Now, staying with the front seven, considering the need at defensive tackle, the team didn't use any of their any of their visits on a prospect at that position. Yet they did use one of them on a tight end. Which isn't even really a dire position of need. Please, we got baby hands. We don't need no tight end. I mean, we have a tight end one. We have a tight end two under contract. Why are you not visiting with a defensive tackle when that's one of the strengths of this class? Again, is that a smokescreen? Is there a guy that you like that you don't want to tip your hand that you like him? It very well could be. I mean... You look at a the, who's the guy from Michigan, Hurst. Hurst. All right, he had that issue at the combine. Hurst issue, yeah. yeah, and was sent home, and apparently is cleared. That might make his uh, draft stock fall. So maybe the team's like, well, we won't meet with him, but we're going to keep an eye on him. And if he's there in the second round, and we still have a pick, there you go. 
Similarly, oh, excuse me. It's odd that considering how deep this year's running back class is, I mean, I'm looking at it right now, just lined up on my monitor. How many players are viewed as potential NFL starters? The team not only interviewed just two of them, but neither of the players are household names. Well, yeah, what, uh, if they you go- didn't bring in a, a Sony Michelle or a Nick Chubb or a Darius Geis or uh, any of the mid-tier prospects that we talked about as being potential franchise running backs. You're going to want to go back maybe a month or two when we had Matt Waldman on. He claimed that Nick Chubb is one of the best running backs he's seen in the last five years, as long as he comes back healthy from that knee injury he had. I'd love to have Chubb or uh, Sony Michelle or Geis if they fall to like second, third. Or maybe even your boy uh, but so Scarborough. Why so why didn't the team spend any time? I'm talking meeting with them at pro days. At they didn't meet with them at combine shrine games. At what about senior combine? bowls? At combine, no meetings, nothing. They haven't met with any of these players. What does that mean? <laughs> what is that? I don't. If this is a deep running back class, you should take a look at some uh, running backs. How old's McCoy? Thirty. Mm-hmm. His career is basically That's over. That's what I'm saying. You have to have it. So, and then uh, sticking with the offense, one of the positions that directly impacts the performance of your running back. With holes present all over the offensive line, they only met with one player. One! But in terms of Ragnall, they, that was a, pr- listen to this, a private meeting. They met with him at the Combine. And they attended his workouts. That's you. You have running backs that you're not even bothering to spend time scouting at pro days or at things that are just open to everybody. And at the same time, you're going out of your way to send scouts to these meetings with this one offensive lineman. I have to believe that the interest in that player is real. Yeah. Would, would you? Is there any point you'd be so sure of your scouts? And their evaluation on a player that this player is like so good that we don't even need to meet with them. Well, and that becomes the question: Do you trust your scouts? Is that it? Is are you a GM who trusts your scouts? Do you trust that what they give you is so good that you don't need to see it with your own two eyes as a GM? That's a ball. That's a ballsy position to take. I mean, he would. Oh, <laughs> and that brings me to my last point, Chris. The sheer number of players that the team met with who are considered mid-second to early third-round prospects is noteworthy. But the question becomes, in what way is it noteworthy? Because it could go one of two directions. Does it denote that the team expects to have picks in those rounds and was focused on reviewing prospects that they think are going to be available to them there? Or does it point to them wanting to vet the last of the players that they maybe had interest in to make sure they weren't missing out on franchise players before just giving up on those picks and making the massive trade up the board for a quarterback? See, that's these are all questions that after the draft we're going to have to look back at and in retrospect, we're going to have our answers. We're going to know to a point what the GM was thinking. Exactly. I, I can't wait for the... A, I can't wait for the draft to be over with. Right? I'm at that point. <laughs> just, but, 
just put it to bed. But I, I want, I'm gonna want to look at our draft class and see who we met with, uh, pre-draft, whether it was uh, pro days, combine, uh, the Shrine Game, East West, North South, Walter Football. Left to right, the up most, north. From what I can find, WalterFootball.com has the most comprehensive database of who who's met with who. So, Chris, that brings us to our final draft predictions. What do we think is going to happen, Chris? I'm going to answer. I'm going to lob this first one at you. In what round do the Bills address their gaping hole at middle linebacker, or do you think they don't draft a linebacker at all because they trade away their capital? I think they'll do that either in round two or three. You expect them to have picks there? Yeah, we have what six in the first ninety-six. Yeah, I don't think we'll use. All of them to get up to get a quarterback. You could use, uh, you could use some, and you could use whatever you want to next year or the year after. <laughs> I think we'll still hold on to either a second or a third, even if we do trade up. So I would say second, third, maybe fourth. And if it's a, the fourth round, we haven't taken a linebacker, then I wouldn't count on it at all. Okay. Well. Me personally, I think that there are middle linebackers to be had in this draft who are good, but if you don't get one of the top two, you're not lost. You know, there's guys in the, the later round who can contribute, but they won't be that franchise middle linebacker. They're not going to be your Luke Keekley. They're not going to be your, uh, I don't know, they're just not going to be that guy. So you either decide that you as a defensive coach can live with that or you tell your GM, look, I need this. I need this hole filled or else our team will crumble. Because our front seven last year wasn't great with the decent middle linebacker. Okay, The defensive tackle play should make it better, but you still need a guy to stand back there and make the plays. I think they draft a guy. I think they draft a guy high. I think that second first-round pick becomes a linebacker. If we don't trade up? Oh, no. Even with the trade up. Bang. So you think we're going to trade up and not <gasps> use that first, no, second, No, because I think it's going to cost more first than just this year. And that's my fear. So then, do the Bills, despite not having visited with any of the running big class's top prospects, draft one before the fourth round, Chris? The fact that we signed Ivory on a two-year deal, we got McCoy... You have that other guy that had one run for like forty-five yards. <laughs> I forget his name. Marcus Murphy, not Robocop. Not not important. I'm not sure we do take a running back this draft because you signed Ivory for what one two years. He'll probably only play one. Drew's looking at me like he just sharded. No, that's not the face. Face is I just had an epiphany. Chris. Okay, what's your epiphany? My epiphany is we're talking about the running back class's top prospects. This is like fantasy football. When everybody else zigs, you zag. Everyone talks about the depth of this class. Maybe the plan is to zag and go the other way. They're like, well, screw you guys. Well, you're all busy taking running backs and the you know the trying to chase the Elvin Kamara, the Kareem Hunt, the you know these are rookies who came in and had an immediate huge impact for their football team. Well, all these teams, these GMs are going to be chasing that trend. Well, maybe the Bills are like, screw it. This is the super deep class. And while they're over here trying to get running backs, we're just going to draft away. 
It's like fantasy football, except with 32 people. So, Chris, how many players? I mean, me personally, to answer the question, me personally, I don't believe they do. I think they go the Carlos Williams route. I think a Kalen Ballage. A guy like that's right around where the Bills will be drafting, and I think they brought in a Rashad Penny just to see if he'd, you know, hey, we want to familiarize ourselves because this is a guy who might slide. Based on the value of these other running backs, the teams that need him are going to take him. A guy like Penny could find himself in the fourth or fifth round just by default. You know, running backs slide every year. It's such a fluid group. Now, Chris, how many players... Do the Bills draft that they didn't hold one of their 30 private meetings for? Take a number, because it's a complete crapshoot. There's no way we can know these things. I'll say two. Two? You think everybody that we draft is going to be on this list? Except for two. Yeah. Although you don't expect us to have a lot of draft capital, so. No, because I do expect us to move up for a quarterback. We need one, badly. I'm going to say zero. I'm going to say that Brandon Bean sticks with his gut and whoever he drafts are guys that he met with. I, I'm probably going to be wrong, but I just, he doesn't, he strikes me as a straight shooter. You know, when he talked about pretty much, and I've talked about this with some of my friends, when he says something, he does it. When he, and I think to his, to his credit, he's a very straightforward guy. You know, when he says, hey, I need to get better at this position, he gets better at it. When he says, hey, we're going to make moves to make this team better. And anybody who doesn't want to be here is not going to be here. And then the next week, Ron Darby is out the door for a third-round pick and a wide receiver because those were two, uh, the pick and and addresses a position in need on the roster. He's a man who speaks what he thinks. And so given that, I don't think he'd waste his own time with these meetings if he didn't intend on drafting some of them, if not most of them. And then finally, Chris, do the Bills come away with a first-round quarterback prospect? And if so, who do you want? That's 100% yes, we do. I will take any of the top four in order of Darnold would be my one, followed by Rosen, followed by Mayfield, and then number four would be Josh Allen. Give me any one of those four. Hitch up to any one of those quarterbacks. You've got to have a franchise quarterback if you want to win in the NFL. We need a quarterback. I want a quarterback. Make everything better. <clears throat> Part of me, I would want Josh Allen okay. just because it'll piss you off. What if he turns out to be Blaine Gabbert? Are you going to look back on this conversation tonight and think to yourself, man. He's not going to be Blaine Gabbert. I trick. Blaine Gabbert, every one of his throws, he steps into the bucket because he's afraid to step up into the pocket. This is, wow, look at you using football terms. You're, my God, this is like a father watching a kid ride a bicycle. Jesus Christ. Oh, Chris, my boy. Cheers. You're talking football. Finally. So, to me, I look at it like this. If the Buffalo Bills, when it comes to a first-round quarterback prospect, You can talk about how full of prospects a class is. I don't give a shit about any of that because I remember. I remember the Cam Newton draft. Okay? 2011. Everyone thought that they were getting the... Hey, this this draft is loaded with quarterbacks. Look at them. Christian Ponder, Jake Locker, uh, 
what, Blaine Gabbert. Yeah, I wasn't sold on anyone outside of Cam Newton. Okay, but here's the problem. They Analysts were prospects were. who were drafted very highly. Not just analysts, but scouts were sold on whatever these kids were bringing to the table. And it blew up in all of their faces because Cam Newton has never taken it. He took his team to one Super Bowl, one, and he played like shit. Okay? I think in that draft, I think Ponder got up early based on his Senior Bowl or the Shrine game. One of those games, he, like, knocked it out of the park. And I think that's the sole reason he got in the first round. My point is this. Everybody wants to get amped up and talk about this. Like, it's the draft with, oh, it's the 2004 draft with Lossman and uh, Roethlisberger. And Eli and Rivers. Eli and Rivers. It is. At the same time, it very well could be the 2011 draft. Now, do I want to be the GM who traded away a shitload of draft capital to land a quarterback who very well could be the next Christian Ponder or the next Blaine Gabbert. No! There is no Andrew Luck. There's no Cam Newton. There's no one standout, which is why even today, now there's talk that the Browns could want Mayfield. The the picks, no one can decide in the scouting community who the consensus number one quarterback is. And that's a problem. So if you draft a quarterback out of this class... I'd rather you not mortgage our future and give up one of our best chances ever to replenish the talent on this team to do so. So if the Bills traded up to six and just decided to see who, what, you know, based on what quarterback fell there, regardless of who it is, I'd be okay with that based on the merit that we probably didn't give up as much as we would have to move up to number two and take quote unquote the guy. Because none of these guys are guaranteed to be the guy. Nobody's guaranteed to be the guy, but I mean, you got to hit your wagon to somebody. I, and I, if you if you think that there is a guy that is, you know, like the next Andrew Luck, go up there, get your guy, do whatever it takes, put your job on the line. Okay, I understand that, but here's what I'll say in response to that. Chris, you're talking about the the most position, the most important position in professional sports. You are the guy. Agreed. Yep. So, given that, you have to entrust that position to a to a guy that you think can succeed. And if you're wrong, like let's say a guy like Josh Josh Rosen, okay, my personal favorite in this draft, the Bills traded up to number two and landed him but did nothing to fix the center position and the guard positions around him. I know that Josh Allen would, unless we used our, unless we used next year's hundred million dollars in cap space to fix our center and guard position, which is an option. And that's something that needs to be taken into consideration here. The almost hundred million dollars in space. Well, I guess it's in the high eighties, low nineties of cap space that we'll have next season. We could fix kind of like the Rams did. Jared Goff got his ass kicked year one. He looked mediocre. They fixed the line. Jared Goff made a Pro Bowl. Okay? Because he's a good quarterback. That's why he was taken number one. If there's a guy they think is number one and that they think that they are capable of putting the talent around him to win and do just to maximize his talents, then you go do that. But if, if you don't think you can, then don't do it. 
Because if you trade away all this draft capital for the next Bling Gabbert, then you've set this franchise back a decade. That's it. That's what I have. And that brings us to the Seagram's Bet scorecard. Chris, you and I have been very vocal about this draft. We have very differing opinions. First one came in November here. Chris and I have had a lot of different bets, and here's how you can count them down at home. Chris says that Josh Allen will go top 10. I yep. say he won't, or at least I said he wouldn't in November. Correct. <laughs> but but I made the bet. Chris also says that the Bills will trade to number two. If that doesn't happen, he owes me a cold one. And I say that the Bills will not draft a wide receiver in this draft. <laughs> we should mention off-air of that episode. We... After recording, I brought that back up, and you were like, uh, uh, not before the fourth round. <laughs> no, you hit your wagon. <laughs> I Don't did. try I'm to willing, sweet talk it. I picked, you I said, picked a hill, and I'm going to die on it. Yes. They will not draft a wide receiver. If they do, I will chug something fruity and gross, and that's, that's my station because I picked it. Then, Nate Geary from WGR 550. Versus the Rockpile Report. He's decided that he wants to get back in the ring after his Cleveland Browns debacle. He, is, he has put his balls on the line saying Baker Mayfield will be the pick to the Jets at three. I think for that, like if, if he's right and that happens, I think if any Seagram's bet we lose with Nate Geary, we have to drink like a, a orange Seagram's. Yeah. Because that's closely related to Brown's colors. Well, I'm looking at it. Now there's talk that the Browns may take Mayfield at one. That won't happen. What if it does? We get to try. The Browns will have ruined Nate's life for another year. <laughs> and then we made the mother of all bets. This you have completely. You have it written down here on our, on our show notes. You have it. Completely wrong. So, Chris, why don't Almost you educate, every aspect? Why don't you this? educate the people as to what it is? Okay, in f- give me give me five years as Sam Darnold being a starter. We should, if he's drafted and not starting, we should probably cut it off at half a season. Yeah, we should find we'll a medium. Figure it out. We'll figure that portion out. If Darnold drafted somewhere and he's on the rides the pine rides bench for a little bit. To where it rolls over and it starts season two. But it's Sam Darnold in his first five years as a starter goes to a Super Bowl. Not like you have it here where it says wins. wins. He just has to go to a Super Bowl. And if that happens within the first five years of him starting, every one of your kids' birthdays, however many kids you have with Larissa, <laughs> if it's three kids... You are drinking 18 Seagrams a year at their birthday, six for each child, until Sam Darnold retires, is what the bet is. I took that because I see in no way, shape, or form Sam Darnold making Super Bowls. And I gave my, I wanted to put five years on it because if it had, I mean, you people might think I'm, <laughs> you people might think I'm crazy, but by saying it, it'd be better off if he went to Cleveland because I don't see. Big Ben or Tom Brady playing five years from now. So outside of that, you only just have Derek Carr as being the only elite quarterback in the oh AFC. Oh my God, Derek Carr is not elite. We've all agreed on this. And I, Folks, I, I literally wagered six packs of Seagrams 
on the, you know, the number of children I have because that's how confident I am that Darnold in his first five years will not accomplish anything significant. Now, there, there is another bet that we, did, that we didn't take, but I just thought the, the sheer outline of it was hilarious. But we didn't take it. I came up with, in my, I think it was like the day last week when we recorded, I was going to lay out the Seagram's bet that Sam Darnold will be a first ballot Hall of Famer. And if that happens, we have a Hall of Fame party and you and your kids have to drink Seagram's the entire night. <laughs> like I just, I, I, I'm not gonna lie to you, Chris. I would never subject my lineage the in, to this. To, the in, to just the insult that is Seagram. I'm telling the entire draft season here. <laughs> I have been trying to come up with Seagram's bets to where I can enlist your kids in it as well. God, I Chris. can just just imagine 21 years from now, Sam Darnold's. First ballot You're Hall to of Fame. Leave a legacy of destruction yes. through my family. Yes, and it's a bet that you made before your kids were even a, a thought of being so born. That they'll know that their father yeah. really hated them before they. Yeah, were Yeah, you're like you could have you could have like a a daughter at home. She it's Saturday night. She's <laughs> girls' night in August. Like the summer's over with, and you're like, oh, honey, you have to stay in. I made a bet. 21 years ago. <laughs> 21 years ago, and I you, made a bet you have, that you have to chug this secret. Yeah, and she hates football, and she, <laughs> and she has to sit there and watch Sam Darnold go to the Hall of Fame and drink wine coolers with her father. Chris, I'll, I'll cheers you because that's fucking diabolical. Guys, this is what draft season has turned us into, just a bunch of bitter old cranks. I'm, I'm glad that it's almost over, and thank God. Before we get out of here, a big thank you to everybody who's helped us out this offseason with our draft preview shows. Matt Waldman from the Rookie Scouting Portfolio, Connor Rogers from Bleacher Report and the Stick to Football podcast, Michael Kist from Bleeding Green Nation and Inside the Pylon, Travis Wingfield, Locked on Dolphins, Russ from Cover One Tonnet, Russ Brown, Deontay Lee from Inside the Pylon and ThePostCorner.net, Nick Geary, from obviously WGRFI 50 and also cover1.net and Mark Schofield from Lockdown Patriots. Boo that man. And also inside the pylon. I, I, I shout out to Schofield again because Deontay Lee was such short notice. And he and, was incredible. And he was, he was fantastic. I'll tell you, make sure that you're following them all on Twitter. I'm going to put all of their handles in tonight's description. They are what I consider to be the most comprehensive draft coverage available. I don't like the mainstream shit because they're just trying to appease their, they're trying to get clicks. That's all they're trying to do. This is a group of guys who genuinely care about the act of scouting and just trying to do it while maintaining a nine to five. That's how you know they're not feeding you bullshit. I I promise you, you're not going to be disappointed. Go follow them. Also, keep an eye on things over at cover1.net. Eric Turner, Nate Geary, Russ, the rest of the guys over there, they're all going to be putting out an absurd amount of post-draft content. I mean, you think that what they did pre-draft was good? What they've got coming next is going to be incredible. You're not going to want to miss it. And then Rock Sports Network has their their draft party. Batavia Downs at 34 Rush. Thursday and Friday, food and drink specials, prize giveaways. Live draft dissection and discussion from Rock Sports crew and special guests. If you can't attend, you can you can just stream it from their Facebook page. And finally, Wise Guys Pizzeria. If you live in West Seneca, Sloan, South, or Downtown Buffalo, and you're not ordering Wise Guys as your draft night spread, 
I assume you're either too cheap for delivery or you're just fans of shitty food. You might as well be eating Little Caesars then. And I'll see you in hell. (laughs) Guys, I'm going to try to have a great flight if I don't see you because I'm flying Southwest. If I don't see you again, I never liked any of you and I'll see you in hell. (laughs) Guys, I got to go. I'm Drew Gear. That's Chris Krueger. This has been the Rock Power Report. When you make decisions for your company, you always look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing and shipping to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your process to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, books, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart if you sell online, schedule package pickups through the dashboard, and automatically see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers, with rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are, even on the go. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other business decision makers with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a 4-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.